Welcome to the Teen Financial Freedom Podcast with co-hosts Jacob and Terry. Teen Financial Freedom is a personal finance blog run by teens who are on a mission to equip their peers with the knowledge, resources, and understanding they need to become financially free for the rest of their lives. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Teen Financial Freedom Podcast. Today, I am here with Jabbar Adesada. Uh, He is a young real estate investor and a Marine. He's only 19 years old. Is that right, Jabbar? Yeah. All right, 19. Jabbar, how are you doing this morning? Man, I'm doing awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. It sounds like you you worked a 24-hour assignment yesterday over 4th of July, so I think you're going to be a little tired today, but uh, I'm just happy that you're you're here and still doing this with us. No, nah, man, I'm always going to bring the energy. <laughs> Love that. So guys, today we're going to be talking mostly about real estate with Jabbar. You know, we've done a few episodes on real estate, you know, recently. And if you're kind of wondering why there was this sort of sudden shift in our content from mostly, you know, traditional personal finance-based content to more of a real estate focus, it's because I've been getting more and more excited about real estate uh, I joined this Sheik's Freaks group only a couple, or actually I think it was just a month ago. It was only a couple of weeks ago. And since then, I've just been learning so much about uh, real estate. You know, I always had this in the back of my mind that I would get into it, um, but I thought it would be, you know, after college, way down the line. And what this group has done for me is made me realize that you can get into real estate at such a young age. We're going to be talking about Jabbar's house hack today. And also he's working toward a short-term rental. He's only 19 years old. So he's only really a year older than me and he's already getting or working toward his second deal. Uh, And so I think it's for teens, it can be something that you can actually work toward at a young age. Um, I know that like for me, at least, you know, stock investing is great, you know, but I don't feel like you're ever going to see the rewards for that until, you know, it's 20, 30, 40 years down the line with real estate. If you can, you know, get into this, learn everything you need to know, and then get your first property, you could see the rewards in a year or two. You know, this is something that if you really sat down and started working toward this, you can see results very quickly. And you could really start to make a huge change when it comes to your personal finances, because real estate is just such a powerful wealth building tool. Uh, and so that's why I'm kind of starting to get really excited about real estate. And I'm super excited to have Jabbar on today and kind of talk about, you know, how exactly he got into real estate. I want to talk about, you know, maybe some of his tips he has for other young people out there. But uh, Jabbar, let's just get into it. Can you can you start off by just kind of sharing your your personal background, maybe what got you into the position you're in today? What's going on, everybody? My name is Jabbar Adesada. I'm a 19-year-old real estate investor. I did not come from a family that was real estate-oriented or finance-oriented. My family, they're more of the... So I'm, I, have, I come from a Nigerian background, and the culture for a lot of people who transition here from other countries is like you have to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, or you're a disappointment. So mm-hmm. what I did was I joined the military to become a doctor because I didn't want to be in a lot of that debt and the military would pay for it. And so on my path of going through the military and going through training and stuff like that, I ended up networking and connecting with people. And I got the opportunity to meet like a multimillionaire one day, just I spent Thanksgiving with them. And when I did that, it was because I, I was in training and I couldn't go home. So they had us families would host us for Thanksgiving. It was really nice. And so I was just looking at like the lifestyle that he had 
and just how happy he was. And I mean, they went on adventures and traveled the world. And then I learned that he was an investor. So he was a stock market investor. That's what he did. He actually did um, retire. He does retirement accounts. So he helps people build wealth in their retirement accounts, like 401ks and stuff. And so I went on like this whole like shift from like becoming like this doctor, school, school, school to like, hey, like if I invest like a thousand dollars a month, I'll be a millionaire by the time I'm 40. So -hmm. that's what really excited me. So I got into personal finance. I started like being really, really frugal, saving everything that I can. And so I went down the stock market path and then I felt tapped. So my potential, I felt like it was tapped because after all the models and spreadsheets and compound interest calculator runs I did, I realized I was going to be 35. Like if I was lucky, maybe 32 when I was finally a millionaire. And if you guys know about the 4% rule, which basically states um, when you you can withdraw 4% of your overall portfolio, assuming it's all stocks, that means like 4, 4% of a million dollars is only $40,000 a year. So that means like 32, 35, a million dollars would only yield me $40,000 a year. And to me, that didn't seem as appealing. So I just would spend every day after work in the mil- in the Marines, I'd spend every day just trying to figure out how can I get there sooner? Because I think that I am like, I can't, I can only invest so much of my money in the military, I make less than 20 grand a year. Like mm-hmm. my, like that's how much I see in my bank account. So I just started learning about side hustles. And then in one of the trading groups I was in, it eventually brought me to real estate. Like someone was just like, Hey, you should check out biggerpockets.com. And they have like all these podcasts and stuff. And I listened, I went on the website, I remember, and I listened to one episode and I was hooked. I was like, oh my God, like this is possible. Cause I think it was like a 25 year old millionaire who they had interviewed. So it's mm. like, he did that 25. That means like, and he didn't even start. till he was like 22. So I'm like, man, like, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. So it didn't take me long to realize like real estate was a little bit more of a superior asset class for my goals. So I just started, oh gosh, I would listen to hours of podcasts every single day, like four to six hours of education and networking with people in the bigger pockets forums and just learning as much as possible. And I just, just researched, learned like this is all I spent my time doing. And then, so I started learning about real estate uh, in August of last year. So the beginning of August of last year, I think I was probably ready to buy my first deal like two months later. So September, October-ish, I probably would have had enough knowledge to take action. And then I didn't go under contract on my first deal until January of 2021. And then we closed in February, February 3rd. I'm willing to talk more about it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of goes back to, um, you know, what I was saying at the start of this episode, how, you know, if you're investing in the stock market, you're not going to see those results, you know, for, Really, you know, like you were saying, if you start when you're 18, 19 years old, you might not see those results at the earliest until your mid 30s. And so, if you're trying to achieve, you know, early financial independence, which kind of both of us and a lot of our audience are trying to achieve, you know, um, just just investing in the stock market is probably not going to do it. You're going to need some sort of business or side hustle income, or you're going to need to invest in real estate. You know, like you were saying, I, I believe that real estate is also a, a superior, uh, you know 
asset, a superior wealth building method. So just kind of love what you were saying there, how you realize that just stock market investing alone is not going to cut it if you want to reach your goals, um, you know, by a certain time. I'm curious, what, what do you have like an age in mind of when you want to reach financial independence? Do you have any, you know, like a dollar amount of what would be good for you? You mentioned a million dollars. Is that what you're going for? So I don't really care as much about net worth. I'm more concerned about like cash flow because I love mm -hmm. that income. So mm -hmm. that's why I'm doing more active investing strategies like rent by the bedroom, um, which is house hacking and then short term rental rentals, which are really lucrative. So for me, I'm like borderline financial freedom. I'll probably achieve like my next one or two deals. So 20, I'm probably going to achieve like I'm going to be like probably sitting on like three to four thousand dollars of passive income. Provided, you know, we buy the properties and they produce the income that we want them to produce because um, I'm sitting at twelve hundred dollars a month right now. But as far as like my overall goal, and this is not from a place of like I need this amount of money. It's just I it's a goal that I felt like was harder. It's hard for me to achieve. And so that's why I want to go after it. Mm -hmm. So my goal is to create ten thousand dollars a month in pure cash flow every single year for the next five years. So by the time I'm 25, my goal is $600,000 a year in net pure like cash flow every, you know, just coming in just from short term rentals. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Uh, and then I'm curious, you mentioned you learned about real estate um, for the first time in August of 2020. And then you just closed on your first deal in January, I'm sorry, you said it, you closed on it in February, you started going under contract in January. So that's about five months. Do you think, I mean, you said that you had enough knowledge to get into real estate after only like two months after you first learned about it. Would, what would be your recommendation for like how, because I know for me, I've been, you know, taking just notes and notes like crazy the last few weeks um, as I've started to learn about this. But at what point do you think you know, people have enough knowledge to take action. Like you were saying, is it after just a month or two? Should you wait and try to gain more knowledge before you dive in? So this is my opinion on it, right? Because like everyone thinks they need to have like all this education and they get sucked into analysis paralysis. So they do all this research and they overanalyze every single detail. Like, I don't know what this is, what, what happens if this happens, blah, blah, blah. It's like this. Like, yes, you need a foundation. So like literally what I did was I listened to every, like almost every single Bigger Pockets podcast episode. So wow. I think like, I mean, you listen to like 300 hours of those and you're probably going to know a lot. Like you're going to be pretty knowledgeable. You read a couple of books on the specific strategies that you want to do. And then you just network with people. Cause like when you go and do your first deal, this is the kicker. All that education that you did um, yes, it's cool. It's important. But the real education comes from when you're actually applying that knowledge. Real estate is really like a take action type of like business. Like that's that's really how you learn. Like you can't really just like talk about it or you can't just listen to other people who have done it. You have to actually do it. And so the faster you can get there, um, the better. Because like like we had Brandon Turner in our mastermind. Mm -hmm. And like, honestly, I think he's right. The first 10 deals really don't matter. Those are, it's just building your, your track record as that like lying killer, like the person who can actually take action, who can actually take down deals. Once you kind of have like a baseline understanding of what to do, you're, you're real. I figured it out as I went, like, cause mm -hmm. like there's so many things that they don't talk about on the podcast sometimes that 
or you don't remember that like you just have to figure out as you go through it and then like that fighting that learning curve there's so much power in that first deal when you finally like fight that learning curve of getting that first deal that's when you start to get like the confidence to say like this is actually pretty simple like mm-hmm. i could do this again and again and then now you have credibility so now when i go to talk to investors it's not like the 19 year old who wants to get into real estate it's the 19 year old who's already done it mm-hmm. like like i get told by investors who are experienced that they believe like they believe and know what i'm talking about like they know that i know what i'm talking about and what i'm doing so you just have to have like a mindset that you're just going to figure it out at all costs because if you come into it like timid and scared yeah that's probably a problem if you don't have a lot of education but if you come to it like i am going to figure this out i'm going to do whatever it takes I mean, the sky's the limit. You will figure it out because it's really simple. You just have to know who to ask if um, the things that you don't have the answers to. You started learning about real estate in August. You closed on your first deal in February, which was a house hack. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that deal? So my house hack, right? So, um, and I can tell you like a little bit about it going into it. So I was looking at properties I'm in Beaufort, South Carolina. That's where I'm stationed. My criteria, because I want to hold these things for 30 years, is I want for a house hack, I want a population of at least 100,000 people. And then I want like a more diverse economy. So I want multiple employers in the area. That way I can have a higher chance of like filling my rooms because military bases, they're great, especially for rental, like as a rental market. But once that military base goes away, now you have nothing. So you have no economy. You have no renters, essentially. So I didn't really like here because it's really expensive. The only thing that kind of um, the only kind of leading employer is the military. So if we go away, if we like get shut down or whatever, like that's it. I feel like I won't have a sustainable renter pool or tenant pool to pick from. So I actually analyzed the market about 45 minutes away from me where I house at called Savannah, Georgia. It's actually pretty popular. It's a tourist town. There's a hospital. There's a there's a college. There's like a but there's ports. It just has a lot going on. And I picked a submarket or like a suburb of it called Pooler for my house hack, where the price points were low and also the rent. I felt like I could get a good amount of rent. And that's another thing to look at when you're looking for a deal. You have to have your criteria. So I also I didn't want a house hack unless I was going to make $1,000 or more a month living in that house act. Mm. That was just my goal. So I was searching actively for markets that met that criteria. And then Savannah met that criteria. So I would analyze deals. And so I found this deal. It was sitting on the MLS because it was a four bedroom, four bath home that was kind of dated a little bit. It was good. Like the house itself is awesome, but it just needed some updates. And then also the layout of it wasn't as great for you know who the average home buyer would be looking for because you have the master upstairs and then all the bedrooms downstairs so like some parents would rather be on the floor just mm-hmm. to like walk watch over like their little children mm-hmm. or, or anything in the driveway is not as big but anyway so i found this house four bedroom four bath house hack i went to go see it with my agent and I saw the potential to turn the dining room because they had two dining rooms. So to turn one of the dining rooms into an extra bedroom and get more rent. Hmm. So because I saw that opportunity, I went ahead and we went under contract. I made tons of mistakes, um, but I got the thing. And I mean, I knew like that deal was going to make me money 
because there was just, I could rent out the place for $500 a month if I couldn't find anybody and it would still cash flow. So I was pretty confident in my ability to make this work. And I mean, now it's making me over, it's making me $1,200 a month and it's a 65% cash on cash return. Um, I'd like, my tenants are great. They're more military affiliated. So there's also an army base over there. And so I feel more confident in that tenant pool because their their incomes come from the government. So mm-hmm. I have some crazy great stories about it too that kind of <laughs> a lot of interesting things happen with that one. Sure. Wow, that's awesome. So is this a multifamily home? Is this just like a rent by bedroom type of deal? What exactly is this property? Yeah. So it's a rent by the bedroom. So it's a single, it's like 2,500 square feet okay. and it's just like a brick home in a in a neighborhood with no HOA that um, has multiple bedrooms. Um, it's, I mean, it's great. Like the, the uh, top bedroom is by itself. So they have privacy there. There's also another, the room that turned into a bedroom has its own private entrance. So there's privacy for that tenant there. The other part of the house is just like, um, you know, a regular house, like bedroom style. So they're all next to each other. Gotcha. I guess I'm curious. And, and like, to me, a, a downside to like that rent by room um, method is like, I guess I don't see that many people unless they're like kind of younger, maybe college students that would be interested in doing that. I mean, from your experience, are there like, let's say, is there like couples that want to do that? I mean, who exactly is your, your target market when you're doing this rent by room? So that is super important. So when you're doing, when you invest in real estate, you're investing in a demographic. So you're investing essentially in a group of people because those people are the ones who are going to be, you know, making your place like the investment that it is. So you have to know who your target, I like to say, customer is before you invest. So I had to figure that whole thing out. Right. So at first I was marketing to the college kids, but I was 20 minutes away. So the problem with that is most of these students don't have cars and mm-hmm. there's no bus line close to my house. So I couldn't market to that demographic because they, it, I literally had like maybe a small niche of people who wanted to rent to me or who wanted to rent from me. So once I understood that, I realized that I need to change my marketing strategy. So because and and what happened when I did that, when I stopped making it about age and just more about people meeting my minimum qualifications, I found you have like couples, you have people from out of state. So I can give you some essay about my tenants right now. So one of them, he's an, he works for the IRS. He's like 30 something. And he is also an Air Force Reserve. So he's like military affiliated and works for the government. But he's an older gentleman. And he just wants to save money. He was paying $1,200 a month to live on his own. And he just wanted to go from paying $1,200 to paying $732. So he's saving like, like around 500 bucks. I have another tenant who... Her, she came over to this area for a job to make more money and to flip houses. So she is from, she's from Florida. Her family's in Florida. Like she has a, a wife and a daughter, but she traveled to here for the job opportunity and she makes a significantly more money, but she's saving money because she goes home every other weekend. Another tenant, same thing. He was a gunny. So like my boss, 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 basically in the military. And mm-hmm. he just wanted to save money as well. His family's in, in uh, Florida and he just wanted to come down here for a job opportunity. Another one, same thing. He's late thirties as well. 
and he worked, he makes like six figures. He was a Marine and now he works for, he got a job opportunity for the Amazon that they're building like a couple, like eight minutes from my house. And so he just wants to see, I mean, he's making, they just want to save money. So my ideal tenant is someone who chooses to rent by the bedroom, not somebody who has to, somebody who chooses to. So Uh people who make a good amount of money and instead of having to put it all into like, you know, paying $1,200, $1,000 a month on rent, they get to live in one of my bedrooms. And, you know, and I offer some amenities too, but for cheaper. So they save money. So people who are more minimalist is Mm. who I target. Also, I've had traveling nurses reach out to me. I've had corporate business people reach out to me. I've had people who are like contract stays for different projects that are going on. So there's a huge pool of people that people do not realize are looking for just a small space that's under what the market rents are, but like it's safe. So they want to make sure it's something that is safe and dependable and reliable. And that's the product that I provide to them. So I make sure that I screen them well. I make sure I put that in my advertisement that I'm screening people and running background checks for their safety, locks on all the doors. I have a cleaning crew that makes sure that the house is clean at least twice a month. So I do a lot to advertise and market to that demographic because my room rent are a lot or a little bit higher than what you could pay if you stayed at like your buddy's house. Cause some people will rent a room for $500. Mine's is above 700. So that's like, kind of like my niche. Okay. Gotcha. That's good to know. And then I love what you were kind of saying about creating value within the house. You said it started as a four bedroom and then you converted one of the dining rooms to a bedroom. Curious to know what that process looks like. I mean, this is your very first property and you somehow wanted to venture into some, like, I guess it's a little bit of a, um, I don't know what you would call it remodel or whatever, but like, how exactly did you stumble into that idea? And, and how did you actually execute that as a 19 year old? This one, it's like, it sounds awesome, but like, honestly, it was super easy and super simple. Really? Okay. So the property's big. I saw, so another thing is like common, you have to use a little bit of common sense. So the property was a four, four with 2,500 square feet. So I knew there was somewhere in that property that there was going to be space for an additional bedroom. I just knew it because it was just so big. So I went there to verify that. And when I saw the extra dining room, it was just like, this is perfect. It has a bathroom in there. So I remember I told you it was dated. So to a homeowner, like a bathroom in the dining room is weird. But for an investor like me, who's doing rent by the bedroom, I'm like, perfect. Now I can charge more rents because this person not only has a private entrance, but they have a private bathroom. So the private bath. So the bathroom and the door was already there. So all I had to do was put up a closet to make it a bedroom. And so I was working with contractors to add an additional bedroom space. And then I decided, I just was like, there is nothing like stopping me. Like I looked at all the laws, regulations, whatever, from just putting a wardrobe in this thing and just adding a door, right? Because I had to add a door and calling this a bedroom. So I was like, instead of me, like, you know, paying $700, $800 to add a closet and do go through that process. And, you know, because when I decide to sell it, if I want to sell it, I have to tear down that closet and then, you know, patch up the ceiling and the floors. I was like, instead of me doing all of that, why not just put a wardrobe in there from Ikea, put two of them in there, give them all the closet space that they need so they can't complain and just put a door on there and call it a bedroom. So that's what I did. And that room was like first one to go. It's like the most coveted because it has the most like the 
tenants can like maneuver the closets to fit however they want. And then they can also like, they have the private entrance entrance in the bathroom, but I mean, they love that room just because it's just like more, everyone wants the room when they were applying just because it's like easy to kind of move around and make it your space. Um, so that was kind of like the thought process there. And literally I just took down the light fixture. I slapped the door on. I paid someone to put the door on because I'm not handy at all. And he also did the light fixture, if I'm going to be honest. And then I put up the Ikea wardrobes and they're big. So they're not like tiny. They cost me like four or 300 bucks. Mm. And so I saved some money on that end. And boom, now that place rents for 732 and rents are going up. <laughs> wow. That's impressive. All right, guys, Jacob here from the future. We're actually going to be splitting this episode into two separate parts. So if you want to hear the rest of my interview with Jabbar, make sure you check out another episode coming within a few days. In that episode, we're going to be talking about more long distance real estate investing and how exactly you can build a team to be able to succeed at doing long distance real estate investing. Um, Jabbar tells an awesome story about uh, how he basically closed on his first deal and got his first tenants in his property without even being in the same state. He was on a military assignment way in a different state. And so, um, you know, that's just a great story to hear. He also kind of shares how um, you can go about building a team and structuring partners so that you can uh, do real estate investing, you know, out of state, not even being located in the area you're investing in. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. But other than that, I'll catch you later. Hope you have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Teen Financial Freedom Podcast. We would greatly appreciate it if you could subscribe, leave a review, and share this with someone who needs it. 